Oh boy. I don't know about you guys, but I am feeling nervous. I don't know why. I shouldn't be. I get it, but I am. Welcome in, guys. We are back with another podcast episode. Yesterday night was a very thrilling, emotional night. Devin Booker played amazing. DeAndre Ayn has uh, superb defense. Um, great rebounding. But Chris Paul was the ultimate letdown. But why? People blame Chris Paul. People are blaming everything online, especially after that game. But do they know the true reasons? We're going to actually talk about that later after we go for our breaking news segment. Everything that has... It's actually not as a lot of news as it was yesterday morning that I broke down, but still, a lot of valuable pieces that should be made known before we really jump into free agency of summer, summer's free agency. But real quick, before we even talk about that yet, I want to talk about social media, get that out of the way before we jump right in headfirst into all of the breaking news, all of the rumors, speculations, and reports coming out, and then talking about the most important thing, which is the NBA Finals. And yesterday night was Game 4, um, a potential elimination. Game 4, or hope, or in the Bucks, um, my in the Bucks uh, choice. Staggering off elimination or potential elimination, right? So, first of all, let me clear off social media real quick. I'm excited to talk about the NBA Finals. I have a lot to say, a lot that I need to get off my chest. So, let's do it right here, right now. First of all, we were jam packed on Twitter last night, just uh, tweeting everything retweeting stuff, tweeting her own stuff throughout the entire game. There was a lot of nail-biting moments. There was a lot of anger moments, a lot of exciting moments, a lot of hesitation moments, a lot of head-scratching moments, a lot of questionable moments and different moments like that. Whatever adjective you want to use to describe that moment, you can. However, on Twitter.com, you were able to find all of our tweets talking about the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks hours before the game and during the game and post the game. You can actually find us on Twitter pretty easily by going to twitter.com slash court heat or just typing in court to heat into the Twitter uh, search bar on mobile or desktop. You can find us on Instagram.com slash courtside heat NBA, Facebook.com slash courtside heat, Tumblr.com slash courtside heat, Linktree.com slash courtside heat. Um, am I, I know I'm missing some other ones and I always do this to myself. I always do this to myself. I'm like, I got, I should just write them all down. I have them all saved on my phone. I'm, t- I'm using all of them. But I know I'm forgetting them. Um, if they come back to my head, I'll address them at the end of the podcast. But remember, guys, if you want quick or reliable sources and breaking news that is actually really good content, 
go over to courtsaheat.com. That's where you're able to get breaking news such as trades, injuries, rumors and reports of signings, firings, hirings from from out the entire organization, from head coaches to players to GMs to even owner switches because we've been we had that a few months ago with the Timberwolves owner and Alex Rodriguez and his partner. We we have short form articles, long form articles, and everything in between. It's amazing right now. Remember, join our membership. Links will be in the bottom. Will be in the description below because we are going with a huge discount, giving you or free coupon. I guess it'll be promotional. Yeah, promotional is a better word of your first day, first free days free. Um. Exclusive articles are always being sent to you and on the website comes out every single Monday morning, Sunday morning. So do not miss that opportunity. All right. Since we got through that pretty quickly, which, hey, last time it took us seven minutes. So by me shaving down those two minutes of just me promoting, you guys get to hear my glorious voice some more about me ranting on about breaking news and then. I got a lot to say about Chris Paul. I got a lot to say about the Phoenix Suns in general. Because if you guys have not noticed yet, whether you are new listeners or old listeners, you know how much of a fan I am of the Phoenix Suns, especially this season. Right? So, a loss hurts. I would be categorized as a sore loser. Because I don't like to see my team lose. So I got a lot of things to say on that, but before we jump head first into that, I want to back up, talk about breaking news, both that are reports and that are rumors. So let us get right into it. And the first one, we've been talking about this for the past few days, and that is revolving around Willie Green, the top assistant of the Phoenix Suns of Monty Williams coaching staff. And the New Orleans Pelicans, who has been trying to find a new head coach. And now it seems like that Willie Green is indeed close to a deal that will make him the new head coach of the Pelicans. We already knew this, but now it's just being confirmed day by day. And it's becoming more official by as the days go on. Also, I forgot about the Washington Wizards. They are still trying to find a head coach. They've selected two front runners, or they're narrowing it down. We should be hearing from them about their final front runner within the next few days, or hopefully sooner, and hopefully a candidate that is like Willie Green, that is already they were talking about for the uh, for the past few days. We we're able to talk about for a few days to say he's going to sign his contract. He's going to be the definite head coach of Washington uh, Wizards. I almost said the Washington uh, Redskins. My, oh, my. I'm getting in a foul confused with the NBA. So, yeah. Um, we already knew about Willie Green. That's not, that's not breaking news, but I want to keep advancing those talks until he is officially hired because you just never know. That's going to be very rare if they pull out, but I just want to keep updating the situation on courtsofheat.com and on our podcast 
we well also ironically you remember in yesterday's podcast and you guys have not listened to yesterday's podcast yet i highly suggest that listening it right now to that podcast yesterday episode right now or after this one because we were actually talking about the lakers we were talking about dennis schroeder and the messy relationship that he's in right now and it main and People have conspiracy theories about everything, right? People are like, oh, um, Dennis Schroeder, LeBron, and everyone else is giving up on the Lakers. Schroeder didn't want to really be with the Lakers, blah, blah, blah. That's why he turned down the contract extension of four years, $84 million during the season. It was a complete disaster. Whatever else you could say, the rants went on, and we heard that for some time after the first round exit of the Los Angeles Lakers. Are they notable? Could they actually be real discussions, real theories? Sure, why not? But it's all speculation. I don't believe, my personal opinion, that Dennis Schroeder wanted to cost his team um, the first round, first round by making them exit in six. I don't believe that was intent. I believe he tried balling out. And, like, during that round, during that series, everyone was frustrated. Everyone was tired of seeing, getting their skulls kicked in by the Phoenix Suns. Or when they have momentum, they take two steps backwards, right? So, it's just counterproductive. So, that's what was getting them more frustrated. Then Dennis Schroeder had inconsistent nights. And so did everyone else. And even their team leaders were having injuries and confidence issues where there was just more frustration and anger than um, calmness and cool, I guess, cool, calm, collective, collective, uh, collectiveness. Oh, I don't know if that's a word, but we're just going to run with it. Whatever that saying is, right? But yeah, so the thing with Dennis Schroeder that we've been talking about on the past two podcast episodes, uh, which would have been Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, because today's first day. Don't know why all my days are blending in. I really do not know. I have a calendar on my phone. Just still, the days keep on blending in. Whatever. Uh, let's get back to the podcast. As the reason why Dennis Schroeder is leaning more and more away from the Los Angeles Lakers. And you're going to see this really bad breakup or it's just already happening and it's just going to become official in the offseason is where Dennis Schroeder is seeking a greater role on a team and having a greater salary than what the Lakers were appearing, what the Lakers were willing to offer him. So as he hits free agency, we have to wonder, four years $84 million. I'm not taking anything away from him. He was traded to him, right? He was, he won a, I believe he won a championship with them. Was he with them for the 2020 season? I'm looking that up right now because I think so. I think he was here. 2020? Uh, no, he was not there for that. He was not there for that. He was still with OKC because OKC 2019 was when the bubble was happening. So, yeah, yeah, Never mind on that. But, but, 
Um, Dennis Schroeder. I'm I'm just gonna look. I'm gonna look up Dennis Schroeder's averages. He's a phenomenal point guard, shooting guard, right? He he's a great point guard. But is he worth over? Let's just say, is he worth hundred million dollars? Let's say you gave him a five year contract, hundred million dollars. Maybe at twenty five million dollars a year, is he worth that? Per season, this season he averaged 15. 2019 with OKC, he averaged 18. Um, 2018 with OKC, he averaged 15. And then with Atlanta, he averaged 3, 10, 11, 17, 19 points leading up to his departure in 2017 before uh, joining OKC in 2018, 2019, and now, of course, the Lakers for a season. So with him turning down the contract, now... It would have been one thing for him to say, well, I don't want to come back for the Lakers. I don't believe it's going to fit out. I'm going to reject your offer. I'm going to try to get a similar offer from the Knicks and the Bulls, which were two reportedly interested teams on this point guard, who's one of the top point guards in this free agency this year, right? That has been not restricted and is sure not to return to his team. The way that he's making the sound now, right? Or the way reports have gone in this direction, right? It would have been one thing, but I think he's expecting a huge payday. And um, I think he's like 29, 30, 27. How old is he? He's 27 years old. Okay, I was correct after my fourth attempt. But yeah, he's 27 years old. If he gets signed to like a five-year, $100 million contract, I'm just using that as an example, just hypothetical numbers like what-ifs, I can see him worth $25 million a year. I believe he can evolve into that point guard, if not already. He He's a great passer. He's, his basketball IQ is great. He has great passing skills. His core awareness is great. Chemistry he can always have with his teammates. Teamwork, he's not a hero type of guy. He'll be able to pass the ball. He knows when to take his shot. He knows when to get involved and when to get our teammates involved. And he's always transitioned other teams into a winner. Right? And you can say, well, he could have done that with the Hawks. Yes and no, some moments the Hawks looked great with him. It just looks like now him... At 27 years old, this is the time to um, offer him that huge contract of, let's just say, five years, $100 million, $25 million a year. Get him going till he's 32, 33 years old and just say, you know what, let's run our test with him. Let's run our luck with him. Let's see if we can try to get something out of him. Let's see if because he, he's a puff attending player. He, he's been in playoff situations before. So that's not going to be new uh, environments, new, pardon me, new territory. So it's not going to be that new environment, not going to be really suitable type player. I don't believe that. So if you're going to offer him a huge contract and a contract that he uh, wants to be offered, and he never gave numbers, for all we know, he might want $150, $125 million dollars. I believe he's just worth $100 million at five years. I believe he's worth $25 million a year. I say, wait a minute. Am I doing the math right? 
yeah, but just, let's continue with those numbers. Let's wait. Oh my, I have myself saying yes. And, oh my, I, I did to myself. Like, wh- wow, I broke my. Tra- Why was I saying 20, 25 million? It's 20 million years. Because five years, 100 million. Split that up, that's 20 million. Okay. Yeah, hold on. I'm an idiot. Um, so for everyone that knows how to do math, how to know how to do basic math, you're probably laughing at me and probably saying to yourself, wow, what an idiot. He just tried to convince us that over five years, $100 million is $25 million. Um, I apologize for that. I'm an absolute idiot because that's $20 million. And I'll read you it again, but I just put that into the calculator. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't that a bear saying? Well, uh, you have you have those moments. You have those moments. It's yeah, yeah, okay. But he's worth twenty to twenty-five million dollars, regardless of the years that you give him. I believe he's worth over a hundred million dollars. He's worth a hundred million dollars. He's worth twenty to twenty-five million dollars a year. That's the point that I was trying to make in the story. Now my math did not add up, but my logic does and i believe if you're gonna build a team not around him but around someone else um oh man like the bulls the bulls if they go if they go in they sign him they keep laurie marketing and zach levine and kobe white you would be building a team around zach levine because he's not a bad basketball player just really bad luck with the Chicago Bulls, meaning just what they're luck and whatnot, they're going to be turning around to, I have faith in them, well, hopefully, I have no idea how they're going to be operating right, but they have Billy Donovan as a head coach, which is a huge plus, right, that happened last year, but what I mean is, imagine having Zach Levine, Lauren Marketing, Kobe White, um, Dennis Schroeder, and whomever else that the Bulls have. And I'm actually looking up the Bulls roster right now because it. Oh, and Nikola Vujovic. Imagine that. And then you have the backup. Uh, pa- uh, you have the backup power forward, and Patrick Williams. So it, it's interesting when you break it down because Zach Levine's your shooting guard, Nikola Vujovic is your center, Lori Morgan is your power forward. And then your point guards, uh, Javante Green. I'm sorry, your point guards, Kobe White. But couldn't you just move Kobe White to a different position? Because even though he's listed as a point guard, he's also a shooting guard. So with his height being six four, could he be kind of considered a small forward? Could put him at that position because he, he, he could be in our guard because we can have Zach Levine and Dennis Schroeder but that would be the ideal situation so without trying to configure rotations let's just take players at face value you would have Zach Levine, Nikhil Vujovic, Lauren Markkinen, Kobe White and uh, Dennis Schroeder would that be a would that be almost a scary lineup to imagine if they stay healthy and perform the way they're supposed to? Look, Lauren Morgan is not going to be 
what everybody saw he was going to be when they picked him in the 2017 draft in the first round, the seventh pick. I get that. But still, the power forward has some great traits to him. Same with Zach Levine. Kobe White sprouting to a great player. Having a tremendous passer, having a great passer on your team that's willing to feed you the rock, that's able to see all of these different matchups and all of these different targets that could better suit the score points will be tremendous because, to me personally, Kobe White's a better shooter than a passer. That's what Kobe White reminds me of. That's why I think of Kobe White. Javante Green's really their true point guard, in my opinion. And I may be totally off my rocker. And I'm I'm okay if you guys see it a different way. But Green is not a point guard. Like, meaning a starting point guard. He's a backup point guard. So why not invest five, four to five years, 20 to $25 million a year in Dennis Schroeder and see what you can do? That would be... That would be something to consider, right? That would be something to uh, think about. But then also, um, just as a side note, thinking about the Lakers and whatnot, another route that could be commonly used by the Lakers is going to be the sign and trade. Like, they're going to sign to this contract, which probably would be the four years, $84 million, whatever they agree to, ship them on over to whatever team they do. And then they just put, excuse me, they put it as a trade. So expect that um, different sources within the NBA that were talking about it online and different places like that were saying that it's going to be a route the Lakers will and could take if they so desired, if they chose it to be that way. I also believe that might be the smarter way for the Lakers. Like say, hey, Dennis, we're going to get you out of here. Just sign with us and we'll trade you to a team that wants you the most. And if the Bulls and the Knicks want you and your trade is reasonable enough on both sides, that would be something for sure. So I'm going to keep my eye on that. We now give more talks, more reports about Dennis Schroeder. As we know, this horrible breakup is going to be ending. And now he's going to be in our relationship with our team. And doesn't that just feel awkward by just me comparing this to an ugly breakup. And now you're trying to get in the relationship. Yeah, it just, it just sounds odd. But to, to NBA, maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe like the fans, like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if that's like the right it could like right expression to put them in or right setting to put them in with a team. I don't know. But what but besides that, I'm gonna stick with that because it's not bad. It pretty much highlights his time with the Lakers in the fallout. So I'm gonna continue using that one. But moving on, talk about having the Lakers make some big moves. You could talk about a reunion with Lonzo Ball or having Carmel Anthony have interest from the Lakers. But signing trades are very real for the Lakers and so are testing the waters of trade potential within one player. Um, that one player we're referring to goes back to Los Angeles Lakers. 
Kyle Kuzma. And it's really funny. So if you guys did not check out on my social media page, um, Instagram, I I made I found this photo of Chris Middleton where it explained or showed Chris Middleton has only two moods, Prime MJ, Prime MJ, and Kuzma. Basically, it's like, wow, look at him go. He's a, like this great player. He's balling out. He's like MJ in a way. When he's trash, terrible, bad, it goes to Kuzma. I thought that was kind of funny. I did. I, I, I found that funny. I couldn't believe I actually found something like that. I didn't know someone created something like that, but that was pretty funny. And I shared it on my page, on my Instagram social media account. Remember, you can follow us at Courts of Heat NBA for NBA videos, breaking news of any kind, and many more things like that. But yeah, look, Kuzma is Kuzma. He has a lot more mistakes than good things. Fans, his own fan base, the Lakers fan base, even trolled him that LeBron James was going to trade him like they did to Josh Hart, like they did Alonzo Ball. But now it's becoming very real as as the Lakers are continuing to gauge the potential trade interest in Kyle Kuzma, uh, Kuzma. This is confirmed by Bleacher Report, right? So these are sources telling Bleacher Report. So I wouldn't be surprised if, excuse me, if Kuzma left the Lakers, if Schroeder left the Lakers, both now left the Lakers, and now they're trying to add new pieces to fill the point guard position and his guard position. Because Kyle Kuzma is there the forward or the guard. I, I just can never, I just can never tell. I know this is going to be embarrassing by how much I have to look this up, but they don't tell me what position. Like, really? Wow, this is this is really sad. Okay, he's a okay, he's a power forward and small forward. So, yeah, right? The like I said, forward. I don't know why I got the two positions confused of him. But that is what is happening right now with Kyle Kuzma and the Lakers. This can also be a fallout. He's been with the team for the past three years. One year without LeBron, two years with LeBron, one year with Anthony Davis, and different lineup changes. He's won a ring, but he did not earn it on his own. He had Anthony Davis and LeBron to help, right? So people forget about people forget about that he won a ring. So, but what's gonna be his? Trade value. Forget about everything else. What's going to be his trade value? Because you got to remember, they didn't say anything else. They just said they were testing it. So we have no idea if they got positive, neutral, or negative feedback on, hey, do you want to trade for Kyle Kuzma? The team's like, can we just give you cash? Like a second round draft pick? I, I don't know. Like all jokes beside, I don't know what you would get out of Kyle Kuzma. I don't know what a team could actually get out of Kyle Kuzma. He'll need the right head coach. He'll need the right player development. He'll need the right type of environment, a team setting that will actually be able to grow in. Because I don't think the Lakers were it. And especially with all the different shooters, passers, rebounders, just these different uh, types of players. 
coming in and out, I don't think really help Kuzma as much. I don't think it's just transforming or transitioning to the player that the Lakers drafted him to be or that the fan base, that the NBA saw he was going to be. Yeah, that's going to be... It's going to be interesting to keep an eye out for. Remember, uh, we'll keep you guys uh, posted on CoursHeat.com. But besides that, that's pretty much it with the Lakers. The Lakers can have a lot on their hands this offseason. As they had a lot of time to think about it because you got booted in the first round by the Phoenix Suns. That's why you never place your confidence and Anthony Straight Coast Davis and an aging, deteriorating, almost falling off the cliff LeBron James. His body's giving out. His mind's not, but his body is. And yeah. And the Phoenix Suns defeat him, which I could not be any more excited for. They they defeated LeBron and the Lake Show. But moving on to our final piece. Of information, breaking news, news in general. Look, there was speculation that the Kings wanted to trade for Ben Simmons. I know, I know, it's shocking that Ben Simmons get all of this attention. Even though that he can't make a simple free throw shot, or he's scared just to make a layup, or Heck, he's even scared to pass it sometimes. I'm I'm still shocked that he's able to walk on the court by himself without getting afraid of his own shadow. But the Kings have reportedly said that they're unlikely to trade the Aaron Fox, whether they trade him into a package with the 76ers or any team. So he's off limits. They're saying, well, not Fox. We just signed to a contract extension during the 2020 season. We like to keep him. He was pumped career high averages this um this season. He's blossomed into a great shooting player for us. He's a he was averaging 20 points a game, which is amazing. And his and his ceiling is just getting higher and higher. And he could become one of the best players. Or one of a good player, a good, uh, good caliber player in the league. Sadly, he's not being noticed because A, he's with Sacramento, and B, it is the Kings. And when was the last time they were relevant? Like, been in the playoffs? Like, say, oh, look. Look at them. They're great. Instead, the last time the Kings were actually making headlines is when. Uh, Buddy Hill was being a little whiny brat and not even returning his own head coach's uh, phone calls or text messages, any things like that. Not even from the organization itself, who's giving him tons, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to play. But besides that, that was actually the last time the Knicks ever made a headline. And it was like a neutral, negative, positive. It had all these different mixed feelings. But besides that, besides all of that, getting back to the news, the Kings are not going to trade. The Kings are not going to trade Darren Fox. It would be very rare if they do. That means they'll have to get someone really good that's proven all-star caliber type player that's proven to be effective, proven to be trustworthy with the ball, Prove a proven player all around, right? 
But an interesting, interesting trade rumor came up. Like one of those trade packages that are rumored that could happen. Or this could be total speculation. Either way, it's interesting to look at. So, the Kings would be most likely to offer the Philadelphia 76ers a package of Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and multiple first-round picks. However, however, even with that package, even with that bundle of Buddy Heald and multiple first-round picks, Marvin Bagley's been a fourth overall bust, whoever pick that he was, but he was in the top five and he was a bust. Mainly because he went to Sacramento, but he just could never get over the hump. He just could never. And I guess he's only a few years into the league, but it's Sacramento. And he, yeah, yeah. He's not a good player. I have a, I have a basketball card from him I can't sell. So, I guess that's biased towards him that I can't sell his basketball card because he's not good enough to sell a six-star card. Oh, well. You can find out in the shop if you guys like him. He's good. I can't remember his college days, but you guys probably think he's a good basketball player in college. It's probably a Sacramento effect. But anyways, anyways, getting away from that, this is where the shocking part comes in. And this was actually confirmed by several sources online and whatnot that the 76ers would not be interested in a package from the Kings unless it included Fox, which is already being ruled out by the Kings himself, or Tyrese Halliburton, the rookie that they drafted not too long ago. Would they want to give up that? Let's say that you give up Buddy Heald, Halliburton, multiple first-round picks. Is it worth it all for Ben Simmons? I think people are giving Ben Simmons way too much credit. I don't think he's worth multiple uh, draft picks. <coughs> Excuse me. That are in the first round. I don't think he's worth one first round draft pick. Heck, I don't even think he's worth... Um, I, I don't even think he's worth Buddy Heald. I don't think he's worth a second round draft pick. And... You can call me a Ben Simmons hater. You could call me uh, out for having recency bias. But if you if you really do break it down, Ben Simmons has been deteriorating ever since he said, I'm going to fix my shot. But the proof is in the pudding. You were drafted as a first overall pick in the 2016 draft. You're 24 years old. You have no shot. You're scared of your own shadow on the court. Your playmaking skills are in question. You are no longer loved by your own organization. Joel Beat has called you out. Doc Rivers is hesitant of you. And I can't blame him. But it's crazy if you think about it. Because you could say to me, oh, look at him. He put up great numbers this season. 14 points. Look at his average. It's 15 points off of 56% shooting. But he's, but he's a liability on the court. You can bring up statistics all you want. But if you actually break that down game by game, postseason, 
and regular season statistics, combine them or break them up individually, I don't care. If you look at it game by day, uh, game by game, it's tough. He's become more of a liability on offense than anything, and he's a slightly good defensive player. Him and him and Embiid are a great defensive um duo. Not offensive. Embiid has to carry his workload and then whatever Ben Simmons is worth. But when you're underperforming your contract, then that was proven by um statistics by Bobby Marks of ESPN after uh day or, day or two of losing against the Hawks in the um in the semi-final uh, semi conf uh semi conference finals, right? So it's 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 crazy. It's crazy for the Kings to even consider that for someone like Ben Simmons. And that was just a like simulated projected one. That's not what they're going in, but I would be shocked if they gave up Buddy Hill. Because Buddy Hill is not bad. He's just, he's a good player, but I don't know if you'll build around him. But truth be told is, it's the Kings. I know I keep saying that, but it's like, when was the last time the Kings were in the playoffs? Like, truly. I'm actually looking it up. When was the last, last time I actually won a playoff series? Was two thousand six the last time they have the last time they were in the post was two thousand six, that's fifteen long years of just not making the playoffs, and you've gone through many head coaches, you've gone through, uh, different types of players, I get it. So do you really want to get Ben Simmons, or is this just your nice way of saving the career of Ben Simmons so he's not blasted by the media? I don't know, but all joking aside, I would not give up uh, Buddy Heald in multiple first-round picks. I can live without Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. However, the first-round picks are crucial. Will those be protected? Will those be unprotected? And like in the top 10 or wherever they sit or wherever, like in the top 20, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. And that could be a tricky situation because what years are there going to be in if you give up multiple or even one or two? So that's going to be tricky. But here's the thing we know. If they give up that much stuff, it's not just going to be Ben Simmons. They may receive cash. They may, may receive draft rights or just draft picks in general. Or they might get someone like Tobias Harris. They may get somebody like uh, Tyrus Maxey. They may get someone... Like Seth Curry? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. It's all going to be interesting. But yeah, I, I would not hold my breath on that. That just seems too wild to believe. But I guess if they actually have confidence in Ben Simmons, and then it's not uh, Shaw in the Dark that they still think he's a good basketball player. I don't know, but to have a kind of projected trade offer like that, and then even if they say, oh, the 76 would not accept that without Fox or Halliburn, 
you know how crazy that sounds? Like the like the thing I just gave you as projected trade offer just sounds terrible. Like the Kings will be the losers of that. The 76ers will have a field day, even if they had to give up like two to three players, like like one to two draft picks, etc. Right? Any for like let's just say fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars in cash. I don't know. That's just me being random with it. That's with me um, just throwing out random numbers, just trying to speculate on it. But moving along, moving aside, pushing the questionable Ben Simmons stuff. And imagine that, hold on, imagine if that Trey Yon threw. I would actually fire everyone. If I'm the owner, I'd fire everyone in the front office. And I would try to veto that trade. Because that would be the most sad thing ever. I'm sorry. I, I I don't mind Ben Simmons. He's just an awful player. I'm sorry. I maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm not seeing clearly. Maybe I should not be siding with Doc Rivers or anybody within the organization of the Philadelphia 76ers or the um NBA experts or even NBA fans for crying out loud. Maybe there's just a small group of people that love Ben Simmons to death, and I'm just wrong. I don't know. I'll try to see if I'm wrong or right. I'm most likely right because when am I ever wrong, truly? But, point out all beside us, let us get to the NBA Finals Game 4. I am angry. I am nervous. I am feeling emotions. I never want to feel with my home team being in the NBA Finals for the first time in 28 years. And we never won a championship. Not when we were in there sometime somewhere in the 1970s or even 1993 when we had Charles Barkley and we had to go up against Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. I'm I'm not I'm I'm I I, I wanna help connect the dots. Maybe maybe you guys can help me connect dots on the way. Like, what happened to the Phoenix Suns, who had a great chance of winning Game 4 and going up 3-1 in the series? Oh, get on. Let me start with some options here. Um, I'm going to start with four options. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayn, Scott Foster, or Chris Paul. Well, wait a minute. Devin Booker... He went off 40 points. He was electrifying. Sure, the foul trouble was an issue. And it cost us almost the, four, almost the entirety of the fourth quarter without him. But when he was on the court, excuse me, he was amazing. He was electrifying. He had one of the most spectacular postseason. I had the hiccups, crying out loud. Uh, one of the most spectacular uh, postseason uh, games of his career. With DeAndre Ayn, he had 17 was yeah, 17 rebounds last night and played exceptional, well-defended defense against Giannis, against Brook Lopez, and just covering the paint with a few blocks. Scott Foster, we did not get fostered, right? He didn't even he didn't even referee, he didn't officiate the game. He didn't officiate the game. So it leaves me to one player, the man that we counted on, Chris Paul, the veteran, the unconscious, the, the, 
the guy that we gave the nickname, the point guard. We've given many nicknames to this man. We've given many, many praises to this man. We have said that we lifted the Chris Paul curse, even though I don't think Chris Paul is in effect in this uh, po- um in this postseason in the NBA Finals currently. But what happened to Chris Paul? I swear, I swear. Whenever Devin Booker goes up. Chris Paul comes down. When Chris Paul goes up, Devin Booker comes down. Why is that? Why at that point don't you rip my heart out? Because that's what they're doing. Like, I'm all excited. Yeah, Devin Booker's doing it. Especially in today's game. Or yesterday's night game. I was like, yeah, Devin Booker's doing it. He's electrifying. He's getting all this stuff. Cheering him on. Getting excited. But then, uh, then... Chris Paul, he just wants to suck the life out of me. Or vice versa, where they can't shoot properly, turnovers are there, they just they just can't convert, they're looking fatigued, they're looking out of it, it's not their game, we're going to move on to the next one, and that's for both Devin Booker and Chris Paul, who's our main backcourt. And at one point in the game, and I'm going to regret saying this, so... You have me on record for history about me saying this. But campaign at one point in the game was better than Chris Christopher Paul. I went full I went I full I went full Chris on that. That tells you how serious I am. I never never said Christopher Paul before. That just sounds weird to say he's Chris Paul. And I, I don't know why I went Christopher. Anyways, anyways. There was a point where Chris Paul was one in five. There was one point where Campaign was converting better shots, was making free pointers, getting and one opportunities, um, that one and one opportunity uh, in the game, having uh, buckets, feeding the ball to the big man, doing his job successfully. And not looking out of it, looking into it, looking controlled. It was truly amazing. And he finished. And I was just talking to my dad about campaign, how he never finishes. And of course, after I said that, campaign inadvertently made me eat my own words as he finished consistently, except for like a few misses. But. For majority of the game, he converted, went on the court. And it was one of the best things I've seen in that game besides Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayn. Look, look, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened out there to Chris Paul. We can say his hand issues, which may require surgery. I don't know. He's been playing through ligament issues in his hands. Since the Clippers series. Could that be a fact? I don't know. You guys can tell me this. Whether I'm wrong or not. But I'm probably right when I say this. That you need your hands to play basketball. Especially to be a point guard. And dribble. And make crisp passes. I don't know. I think you need to get a firm grip on that ball. Be able to pass it nicely. Make those um 
make those great passing plays, get correct execution, making sure you're not committing sloppy plays, sloppy passes, bad shots where you just go in and out. It's kind of what you need, right? It's kind of what that needs to happen. Chris Paul, I'm looking at his stats right now, had five turnovers. And on the plus and minus of his duration out on the court, he was minus 10. Minus 10. That is ferociously bad. To me, that's just atrocious. In the past three games, he's had... 15 or 17 turnovers. That's a lot for him. Who in the beginning of the postseason. In the first, second, and third series. Against whatever team that faced him. Especially against the referees in the past series. Against the Clippers. Who praised himself. Who touted himself on the fact that. He had limited turnovers. Barely, rarely any turnovers. And many, many assists completed and passes dished out to his fellow teammates, right? But why? Are the NBA Finals getting to him? Is it the hand injuries? But why can't this team just play consistent with everyone? Why does a man always have to be out of order? Like, why does he always have to be on the low end? Why can't we just all play as one unit and shoot well? But look, whether you knew, and I blame Monty Williams partially on this, partially, because this is not Monty Williams' first time coaching Chris Paul. He coached a very young Chris Paul at one point when he was the head coach of of the New Orleans Pelicans, right? He has a great relationship with Chris Paul. He came full circle when he came back to Phoenix, when he came to Phoenix, right? But let me ask this, if he knew the hands were issue or were going to be a concerning or was going to be a looming issue for this team, for Chris Paul, for majority of the game, why didn't you say, okay, Chris Paul, take a seat uh, next to me on the bench. We're going to talk things through. We're, I need to know what's going on. If you're going to please tell me now before we go into game five and we have bigger fish to fry. And that's a pivotal game five. And either way it goes. I need to know what's going on. We need better communication here. And we need a better point guard out there. Because campaign out of all nights for Chris Paul to take a breather and just relax his muscles. Relax his, relax his hands. Just take a breather. And try to recoup everything. Is when Giannis was not playing up to his best basketball. In the first half or second half. Because he had a quiet night. He had a quiet uh, 26 points. Which I get it. You're like getting 26 points. But it was just very quiet. He was not impactful. It was very limited by him. He drew a few fouls. But we contained him very well. Now, on the flip side of that, if you were going to have campaign in there, he had Wamama on his side. He had, he had finishing on his, on his side yesterday night. 
So it was like, why didn't you let him go out there? At least you have a healthy point guard that could have made complete sense to keep Devin Booker hot, trying not to force shots, and keeping the team flowing when you're up by nine in the fourth quarter. Or you could have done that in the second half or end of third quarter. I I don't know. I don't know what was running through Molly's head. Maybe he trusted Chris Paul a little too much. All I know is you could even make a Devin Booker the point guard. You could have brought in Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, and uh, DeAndre in the mix with Devin Booker at the helm controlling his fouls. Because, let's face it, going back to Chris Paul, Chris Paul with his five turnovers falling on the ground he fell on the court, he lost his footing within the minute mark that cost the Phoenix Suns any opportunity to get back to the game when it was tied when they were down by four at the at the earliest before losing. And they had somewhat hope until Chris Paul fell. They scored a basket and it was just going down downhill. But look, look, it, it solely is, 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 is the sole problem. The reason why we lost was because of Chris Paul. That's, that's not me trying to break the man down. Not me trying to beat a man when he's low, kick a man when he's low. But here's the thing. That, that was bad. That was the worst worst playoff performance I've ever seen out of him. That's the worst performance I've ever seen him this season that I could recall. He was five of thirteen. If he didn't, let's just say he missed a fifth shot and he was four of thirteen in ten points. He would have been he would have been mirroring what Devin Booker had in game three. Right, so it was like maybe you should have been smarter and play campaign. Let Chris Paul come out. Let him regather um, his thoughts. Gather everything up. Take a breather. Take a few minutes and say, you know what? Let campaign play. Let's test that out. Maybe we can get something better going. And let me just sit down. Because it we don't have to prove anything by playing certain players. We don't have to. That's not our objective. Our objective is the goal of winning games. When we win games in the series, we have the ultimate ultimate prize of the NBA Finals ring, winning a championship. That's what's important. Not saying, well, we have to play Jay Crowder because of X. We have to play Tory Craig more because he was with Milwaukee. We, we have to play Chris Paul more for the ultimate uh, Cinderella story, the Cinderella moment. I, do, I don't know. We don't need to do that. Not even with Devin Booker do we have to do that. Where he finally gets his revenge after six long years in the NBA not being able to make the pubs, let alone the NBA Finals. We don't need to be doing that. Moving off of Chris Paul, who had an awful, awful game, Devin Booker. Devin Booker. Look. Look. Know who you are. You're a phenomenal player. You are the leader on that team with Chris Paul. You are you can execute that ball perfectly. 
especially when you're on fire. So, why in the world, why in the blue world, whatever, what what possessed you to try to foul yourself out with five fouls? With a back, with a loose ball foul, I gave you your fifth foul. Why well, would you wrap up um, at the Bucks part with 333, man? I believe it was Drew Holiday. You had a questionable foul that was last night later determined by an NBA referee when he actually saw the replay after the play was done and whatnot after the game. It thought it was a foul. You got very lucky. They did not kick you out with three minutes remaining because then it would have been, then it would have been pointing on the blame to you and whatnot and costing your team too, along with Chris Paul's carelessness on the court. But why? Why with the foul trouble? You can't blame on the referees. Scott Foster wasn't there. The NBA referees were letting you guys play for a majority of the time. They had bad calls on us and the Bucs. They were calling it fair for both teams that they possibly could. Sure, you guys had um, six more fouls than they did. But come on. You can't let... You just can't do that. Know who you are. Recognize, you know what? If you want to play Kobe Bryant... If you really want to play Kobe Bryant, Kobe would not have done that. Kobe never did that. He realized who he was, saying, Fine, you know, blood, if I see this big man coming down the lane, or if I see this player coming down the lane, I don't want to get picked up. I don't want to be picked up the foul and put myself in trouble. If they were ever in a situation where they had five fouls on a game, they, Kobe, and Jordan realized the situation say, I'm bigger than this, and the team needs me more, especially when I'm on fire, especially when I'm feeling it from anywhere on the court. Look, you need to assess yourself better mid-game. You could have been out of the game with 333 remaining. That could have been huge. Sure, you guys lost by six, but... That was huge. That was a huge takeaway from your spectacular night. And the problem is, Devin Booker was having a terrific night, but was plagued by foul trouble. And due to the fact that he had foul trouble, he was not able to play for a majority of the fourth quarter, which allowed the Bucks to get back into it. So it caused a bigger problem for the Suns. Foul trouble is always going to hurt because it hurts a team. It hurts your momentum. It hurts your success to win. It just does. I don't care what team you are. When you have five fouls as an individual player, exceptional player as a franchise leader and player, you have to be better than that. You have to say, you know what? I'm going to take those two points. At least I could be out there on the court of my teammates and help them succeed. Help them win more. 
And by him not doing that, he had made more consequences that poorly affected the Phoenix Suns. And he was shooting lights out, but the problem is foul trouble. And that has to be enraging. That has to be frustrating. And it certainly does not help anything. And that's putting it mildly. He got lucky. He got lucky. But for, for when he got taken out, the Bucks capitalized with it. So you know what? We're going to gas out Gary Drain. He, he can't keep it up. He's going to start getting tired. Chris Paul, he's not playing well. Campaign, we can shut him down. As they did with a ferocious Giannis block. It, it just put you right in a really bad situation that negatively impact the Suns. Because what if, and these are hypotheticals, this is speculation, this is a what if. But what if Devin Booker had three or four fouls and he was able to play majority or at least six to eight minutes in the fourth quarter? Could that have turned around the game? Could that have kept momentum with the Suns? Could that have put, excuse me, could have that pushed them to a free to one lead, a free to one advantage over the Bucks in the NBA Finals instead of a tied two apiece series? Sure, sure, because he was on fire and Devin Booker could not miss for the life. If he if his life was on the line, he had to miss during that moment. He was not gonna miss. He just couldn't. Everything was bullseye, connecting, on on pace, on target. Truly amazing. It was a sight to see. But the fouls, the fouls and the turnovers, is what enraged me the most, and what I took away from the game as negatives. That and Chris Paul. You also do not help things with turnovers. With turnovers. And if I can get to a the box score. Okay, then I let me go to the box score. Hold up. Uh, I'm trying to get to all the stats here. Don't mind me. Why well, you even couldn't shoot a single free point. That's fine. You didn't need that. You scored two to f- oh, I'm sorry. You scored 32, 42 points from the field. Mid-range shots. With eight free throws. But what also surprised me is that you had four turnovers. You and Devin Booker and Chris Paul combined for nine turnovers. Out of the 17 turnovers the Phoenix Suns had. That was 17 turnovers to Milwaukee's five. Giannis had three steals. That's pretty impressive. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. P.J. Tucker had a steal. Middleton had two steals. Holiday had three steals. It's crazy. The only the only player, the only two players that were in foul trouble were P.J. Tucker, worthless, and Pat, Mc, Pat Connington. Pat Cummington? Pat Connington? I'm sorry, I botched your last name, but Pat, who had four fouls, four personal fouls, but still... He was on the bench. He scored his 11, 4 of 9, 3 of 7 from the free point area. 
did their thing. They were able to control their fouls, especially P.J. Tucker. For how much that the man is no longer useful in the NBA, look, he was able to control his fouls. Giannis, who had free fouls, were able to control himself. I just, just, just foul trouble and turnovers killed the Phoenix Suns. Look, that's all it was. Devin Booker improved off of Game 3. He had the best game since Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Chris Paul looked like Devin Booker in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. That's not me beating these guys down anymore than what was already said on social media, said by experts, etc. I'm just telling you what I see and what the statistics are saying. And look, this is a horrible situation. But positive side of it, DeAndre and Devin Booker played much better. Um, one of the best games they had this series in the NBA Finals. Best game for DeAndre played really great defense. He's cracked down on Giannis. He he made Brooke Lopez a non-factor during that entire game, as Lopez only had fourteen total points. He shot five free pointers, some of the ugliest trash free pointers I've ever seen. He, I think, in his brain, he got scrambled with the idea that he is now trying to act like a power forward that can actually shoot a free. He is a center. He is a traditional center. He doesn't do that. And I don't know how far his legs were splitting, but every time he would go for the jump shot, it was like he was trying to do the splits. I saw at one point he was going to tear a muscle in his body, tear something. Because of how far he was splitting his legs. I saw he was doing the splits every single time. I was like, wow, that guy has that that player has a wide base. Where he just likes to spread himself out. I don't know if that helps with the form, with the technique, with the power. I don't know. But the guy was just going wider and wider after every single free point shot. But Drew Holiday was 4 of 20. But Middleton was 15 of 33 with 40 points. However, the thing that killed the Suns were foul trouble and turnovers. Turnovers cost them in the final minute, thanks to Chris Paul. And foul trouble cost the Suns in almost the entire fourth quarter due to, uh, due to Devin Booker. Look, there's pro to cons to that game. But for the Suns, it outweighs the pros significantly. And that's something they have to address. That's something they have to address. And I know, Monty, if they've not already addressed that, it's going to be addressing how bad they have been on the turnover side, on the, on the foul side, because that's significant. We can all brush that off, but in the clutch time, when it's really needed of them, fouls and turnovers got in their way and a poor performance of Chris Paul cannot happen again. We just need Devin Booker, DeAndre, and, and Chris Paul to all have solid games just for one night just to take the free to lead. Because let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The Suns, this puts more pressure on both teams. But for the Suns, this is crucial. So, 
It's tied to a piece, right? You go into Saturday. It's game five. You go back to Phoenix. You have to win it in Phoenix because if you don't, that means that you lost your first game from home court. You lost your home court advantage. But the problem is now you're down free too. And if you lose at your home, if you lose at your home in court, if you lose in Talking Stickers Store, Phoenix Suns Arena, what does that say about your chances in Milwaukee where you lost both games? Now, good news for both teams is they have are undefeated this uh, entire series at home. So let's just say it plays out for the Suns. And this is a very hypothetical um, scenario. But it's where they keep their home court advantage. Meaning Suns win game 5, home court advantage. Bucks win game 6, home court advantage. And then Suns win game 7, home court advantage. That could actually possibly work out. That is a huge hypothetical. Who knows if that can. But if it was that easy, they would already be doing that. And it's actually following into that order. But for game 5... If the Suns do not win at their home, because the Bucks have a fallout, because even if the Bucks can't win, and they go down free to, they have their home core advantage, they have their home t- uh, home team like vibes, they have their fan base there that's gonna be screaming every single chant against Jay Crowder, against the Suns, against. Um, whomever going saying MVP to Giannis or whomever's at the line, that is a huge, huge advantage, a huge, huge success for that team, really. Because at least the Bucks can fall back on home court advantage. The only thing the Suns are falling back on is no home court advantage. And you have to play away. And if you're down 3-2 to two to the Bucks, you could be seeing Bucks in 6. Not saying that's how it's going to go, but it could very well be that way. So looking at everything, and as we keep talking about the NBA Finals and Saturday, and the upcoming Saturday, right? Between today and Friday... It makes you think. It makes your head scratch. It makes you nervous at some time because, like, what if the Suns don't win? Or what if the Bucks don't win? Because the same part for the Bucks, while they have someone more advantage, where they're able to fall back on more. However, you just never know because let's say the Suns do win. The Suns have one more game on home court. Let's say the Bucks win. You tied up free free. You're going back to the loudest stadium in the NBA. This postseason and pretty much regular season. So that is something to consider. That is something to keep a mental note on. And that is going to be very significant. Well, Chris Middleton turned on after Devin Booker was having his issues. It just worked. The Suns fizzled out and players were starting to lose it after three quarters of hardcore basketball. Even though they had their falls. And then the Bucks were able to come in. Clean up their falls. And take it to the final minute. Where they were able to extend it by six. Through free throws. And a two really clutch shots. Made by the Bucks. Right? So they were able to clean it up. They were able to do it nicely. So now we're going to go back here Saturday. That comes in. In two days. 
I've got two days of waiting. It'll be here on 6 p.m. on ABC, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, and 6 p.m. AZ time. And, yeah, catch the pregame show because they're going to be talking about a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about today and on Friday. I just, I'm at a loss for words right now. Because I was hoping for the Suns. Because the Suns had every opportunity to win it. However, when it, when the Bucks had a 7-0 run late into the fourth quarter. And the Bucks were able to take said lead. And able to really contest and pressure the Suns. The Suns were not pressuring to Diamond. They were pressuring to Broken Down Cole. Which... Probably is not the greatest example, but we're going to roll with it anyways, because why not? And it's the perfect example, right? At least in my book it is. But that is all I have. I just wanted to talk about game four. I was way more upset. I'm more chill now. I'm more calm now than what I was during game four, my internal emotions, right? And external emotions, if that's such a thing. Yeah, right. So it was like... It was just very crazy. During yesterday night's game, it was bizarre what had happened. You, you, can't, you can't blame the refs. <clears throat> no matter who you want to blame, you can't blame the refs. It came down to fouls, and it came down to turnovers, and it was mainly on the shoulders of Chris Paul. Fact. We could talk about Devin Booker. He played a part of it. But the significant contributor of that game that everything went awry on was Chris Paul. As much as I hate to say, that is the ugly truth. And sometimes the truth can't hurt. However, that is it for this today's podcast episode. We'll see you guys again Friday morning, bright and early. Well, I guess for the East Coast, it's really not. But for everyone else besides the East Coast, it's going to be pretty early. And we're excited to watch Saturday's game. We're excited to keep everybody updated about the Phoenix Suns, about everything that's happening in the league before June, before July 29th, NBA draft. We'll keep everyone posted. Go Suns, Rod Vows. We'll, we will see you again Friday morning. And then we'll be on social media actively throughout Saturday talking about the NBA Finals, getting hyped on the most pivotal Game 5 ever. We'll keep talking about it tomorrow, and we cannot wait. See you guys on the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening. Go Suns. Oh, never knew so many... Uh, So many of these Suns basketball games can give you so much stress and anxiety over what can happen. Oh, well, we'll be here for Saturday.